Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, say can see. If you're an American and you're professing to be a Christian, well, of course, as American citizens, what we want is accountable leadership. Why don't we throw in a constitution so they know what's in that? Get engaged in the political process. You, my friend, are part of the problem and not the solution. The church needs to rise. Rise. The Monica Monica Matthews Show. Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Happy hump day. Another day in the life of the world system. The world system. So today I'm going to talk about something that many of you have contacted me to ask my opinion on the latest um, cultural craze coming out of Netflix. Yes, the Netflix... Uh, movie. Some of you are under the impression that this is a documentary. It is not. Although, in all honesty, it could be considered a documentary, but because it is the reality of uh, the majority of our children across the world, not just uh, here stateside, with regard to sexuality and being sexualized. Uh, but it is not. It is a movie. Um, Netflix refers to it as a coming-of-age movie. There are components to it um, where physiologically uh, the young girl, uh, the lead in the movie, is she does, in fact, uh, have a coming-of-age moment uh, that most girls will experience. But uh, sadly, the reality is most girls will also have a coming-of-age a moment as the world sees it by being introduced to her sexuality in a very perverse, um, adulterated, and untimely manner. And so when people ask me, is it as bad as the reviews say that it is, uh, some people are scared to watch it. I'm referring to the movie Cuties that uh, features one, two, three, four, five young girls, uh, the ages of 11 to 12, I believe, at least in the movie, a very young, uh, prepubescent uh, until this particular scene. I believe our uh, little girl lead is probably the first young girl to have her cycle, uh, which is a biological coming of age. Uh, There are so many things in this movie that I find fascinating that even Netflix itself has chosen to um, not highlight, although the director, the filmmaker, clearly took the time to tell a story as sickening as the result of that story is. I personally want to draw your attention to the fact that this really is 
nothing new. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be as outraged as we are because that is a normal response. It should be our response to indecency regardless of what side of the uh, political persuasion you find yourself on. Uh, Decency uh, should not be relative, but it is. We we know that it is. Our children should be off limits with regard to sexuality, but we know that that's not true. I live in a state, in the state of Georgia, where uh, our legislature worked overtime to defeat a measure that would have held pedophiles accountable from the church to the Boy Scouts and and businesses in between. Um, And these were Republican men and women. Uh, I worked very closely with this legislation. So it's, it's, we cannot cast stones from our Republican glass houses. And I do consider myself a conservative, but, but I'm, I'm making the point not to uh, cast stones and dispersions, but to simply uh, you know, remind us all that indecency runs along both party lines. It is a human uh, fallen condition nature. So it doesn't, it's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. Although you will see the outward normalization of this uh, by virtue of a party that highlights consistently will utilize entertainers and entertainment to rally their base because of the fanfare, because of the, um, the theater and politics really is theater for any of you who have followed politics for any length of time. That is exactly what it is. It is pageantry at its worst. So the left has understands what it means to utilize entertainers and entertainment to the detriment of the nation because we are wooed and we are awed uh, by the the blitz and the bling and the glam and the whatever it is that you know we've erected in this nation as idols, whether it be sports entertainment or actual musical entertainers or film. So it really should not come as any surprise to us that this is simply the uh, method of communication that the left chooses to use to um, to mm, further denigrate our society. But let's be very clear that uh, those on the right have the same propensity. It just depends on... Um, what level of uh, darkness their indecency can hide uh, behind? How well cloaked is the indecency behind dollar signs, behind campaign contributions and PACs and churches? And, you know, we just don't talk about those things. We just shove them under the rug and, and hope that they uh, go away. So it's on both sides of the aisle. So I just want to level the playing field that I have witnessed it myself in my own state legislature. We all know that across the country, you have defects uh, organizations that are trafficking children. This is nothing new. So I did not come at this film with the same um, 
mindset that that many people did. And I have been a victim of pedophilia in my childhood through my teen years. So I come at this from the eyes of, huh, all right, let's look at this objectively as well as subjectively. I, I just feel like you can do that uh, w- without it being this, you know, grandiose thing um, so that we can get to a, um, to a level-headedness to really extract what the root problem of all of this is and how you as parents can actually take your power back and protect your children. So I'm not really part of the cancel culture. I understand whenever something is criminal, it should be shut down. You've got Pornhub that many of you actually subscribe to that uh, has already been in trouble for the prospect of child trafficking because they accept videos from people all over the world. There's no real standard by which they can measure whether or not a young woman, with the exception of doing a an actual uh, you know, online vaginal uh, examination, because that is something that doctors can't actually see uh, by virtue of the anatomical makeup of a young girl's um, anatomy as to whether, you know, of her age. That is something you can do. So so now we've got Pornhub who subscribes to all kinds of wackadoo people, traffic young girls. They put their videos online. We, we know that they've been in trouble for that, right? So, so it's out here. It's out in the marketplace. Those things should be criminalized. They should be charged as such, and they should be shut down, period. Uh, Netflix, uh, I, as I see it kind of both ways, and they, yes, they've been able to get away with dubbing this as some form of entertainment, but I want, because it's already out there, um, I want you to take the time to... Um, to, to look at this from a, from a couple of perspectives because that's it's missing. Some of you have simply said, oh, it's gross, it's awful, just shut the door, I don't want to hear about it. But that is to the detriment of your own girls and your own boys. So it's time to have the conversation of what is really going on here, in my humble opinion. And so here's my humble opinion. Part of the storyline in this is, is, you know, someone said, is it really as bad? Is it really as awful as we hear that it is? I'm like, in some aspects, it's worse. There were moments in this that, first of all, my boyfriend couldn't watch it because he was like, I, I just, and I imagine many of you as men feel like you're already dirty for even considering watching it. And I understand that. Okay. I personally did not want to watch it, but I felt like I needed to, to be able to have this conversation to be able to have this dialogue. I, I wasn't just going to go along with the, uh, you know, inflamed police. Uh, you know, this is this is child abuse. This is this. This is pedophilia. You know, we're ha- going to have a congressional hearing. I'm like, well, you know, how many other congressional hearings cause, could we have had by now regarding this very thing that, that happens in the entertainment realm every day? You have Cardi B who's positioning herself as some type of a entertaining political pundit who who Joe Biden actually accepts an interview with while she's promoting a video that is so vile I can't repeat the the title of the song just know that the acronym the acronym is WAP and you can find the lyrics on my Twitter account or my Facebook account, I just, and I feel horrible defiling 
uh, many of you with those lyrics. But again, it's important to understand your children already know the lyrics and they're already dancing to this quote song that she has uh, concocted, you know, definitely out of the, the the lower rungs of hell, as far as I'm concerned. But again, we have one every generation. My generation had Lil Kim and uh, her nastiness and ratchetness, and we thought that was his. And we, I also had Madonna. I grew up with Madonna, who could very easily be dubbed as, um, you know, next to Blondie. But Blondie was kind of like a cult figure, kind of an underground figure. Um, where rebellion was concerned, if you go, well, now I'm sure it's gone for good, but the Museum of Sex in New York City, my daughter and I visited a couple of years ago. Pretty fascinating, actually, whenever you see where things like uh, BDSM originated and some of you are like, oh my God, what is that? Well, don't play coy. Don't be, don't play silly. 66 million women read uh, Christian Gray's, you know, craziness and, and, and 50 shades of gray and, and the trilogy and, and the, you know, and then he tied her up this way and then he beat the crap out of her that way. And so there's an audience for this, that there's a participation with this that people are just not willing to discuss openly. And some of you are like, yeah, but that's for adults. I'm like, yes, but it transfers to our kids. Spiritually speaking, what we allow into our eye gates, into our doors, into our televisions, into our living rooms and our bedrooms, things that we allow into our family, spiritually speaking, will absolutely affect your children. That is just a spiritual law dynamic. And I'm not going to spend the time getting into that for this particular conversation. Just know that your children, every generation has an influencer or influences. Um, Blondie, like I said, was part of that 70s rebellion, uh, sex cult, you know, following. Um, Then you had Madonna and my generation, and we thought, good grief, you know, how much more sacrilege could we take? How much worse could it get? And then, wham, we end up with Lil' Kim, and you're like, surely we've hit the bottom of the toilet on this one. Uh, And, you know, and lo and behold, we have not. So now this generation has people like Cardi B. She's certainly not the only person, uh, but she's the loudest uh, at the moment, and and certainly the most grotesque and vile. Why do I bring her into this conversation? Because she is someone that your girls idolize. She's teaching your little girls what it is to be a woman, what it is to be feminine. And whenever you read the lyrics of WAP, you're going to either want to vomit or you're going to be very mad at me that I've actually turned you on to this. But, but I want you to be informed. It's not enough to be outraged. You have to have this conversation with your kids. It is not the government's responsibility or your teachers or your public school boards or your governors or Donald J. Trump's responsibility to protect your children. It's yours. It's yours. And it's a privilege. It's not just a responsibility. It's a privilege to protect them. And you can. It doesn't mean they have to live in a bubble, but for you to have a conversation as a father. This is a central message in this movie. The young girl is a she's she's the she is the main character. She is a uh, she's raised in a Muslim family by mainly a matriarchal component. Her father's missing the entire fam the entire movie until he comes back uh, with his new bride. 
who is subsequently moving into the apartment that's already cramped with this little girl, her brother, another baby, the mother. And so you see this familial dynamic of the mother, the grandmother, a lot of matriarchy going on there. Um, prayer services and, and head coverings and modesty is something that is, um, is elevated and, and also a shunning of the westernization, um, of, of these women and that you are not to be a whore. You do not want to go to hell with the rest of the American whores. This is a big construct. It's a running theme through the movie. So this little girl is in the midst of all of this matriarchy, and yet she's part of a culture where she goes to school. She lives in a urban uh, housing development. She stumbles upon this young Latina uh, girl who is, you know, doing her laundry, and um, and she's jamming out to some music, and she's got a little midriff on, and she's ironing her hair. You know, she's every single thing that this little black Muslim girl is not allowed to be. She's been told, Mm-mm, bad, fire, stay away, not good. Um, you know, you're going to hell fast. So stay away from that. That's not who you are. That's not who you ever want to be. We're going to, you know, elevate your your uh, cleanliness. Your cleanliness is attached to your holiness, which is attached to uh, your purity. Okay, so those are the messages that this young lady is getting from from her from the matriarchy and her family. Again, patriarchy missing in action. Dad gone. He is out pursuing his second bride. Uh, throughout the running theme of the movie is that this young girl sees the struggle that her mother goes through, in the shame that her mother feels, in the grief that her mother feels that the father's bringing on a second wife, and the mother's told by the older matriarch to just suck it up, Buttercup, and get out there and and get ahead of the stories and the gossip, and um and start calling relatives and neighbors and friends and let them know that you are welcoming that Allah is very excited about this second chick and uh, and you are too and you're praying and you're asking for Allah to bless this second union uh and not only that but you're busy preparing a place for the second wife in the third bedroom of your cramped HUD apartment in wherever they are, New York City. Um, go figure. So this little girl sees the mother having, you know, personal private moment breakdowns of despair and shame and jealousy and anger and and eventually resolving herself to, well, this is the religion I subscribe to, and apparently it's supposed to be okay, so let me get over myself and just welcome this, you know, the the, the husband and the second wife, okay? Because this is just what's going to make Allah happy. And in the meantime, this little girl is trying to, she's like, I hate my father. I can't believe he's hurting my mother like this. I think that these women in my in my culture are just prudes and crazy. And I see kids my age doing things with their bodies and uh, seemingly free. They're dancing. Uh, they can do things that I'm not allowed to do. And wow, I want to be like them. Which is something every single 11-year-old girl on the planet struggles with. <laughs> is wanting to be accepted by the group. So she takes to these girls. The girls reject her initially because she doesn't look like them. She's not cool. She's not running around in midriff. She's very awkward. She's very shy and reserved. Um, and what does someone who is rejected at that age do? They, they run after the thing that's rejecting them even harder. 
So that's what she does. And eventually to become accepted and acceptable amongst this westernized group of little badass, you know, potty mouthed uh, vigilantes, if you will, who are midriff wearing, you know, they're, they're slightly over sexualized for their age, but what they are is over pop cultured. And they're French on top of that. So for those of you who have not traveled outside of the country, let me tell you that from German girls to French girls, you know, little girls and other parts, I mean, listen, the, the middle, the middle East thinks we're bad as, as like the demons of westernized, of westernizing everything. Well, it's the pop culture, uh, in Europe can get pretty grungy and, and it starts young too. It's not just us. All filth doesn't just flow out of America. It's, you know, it circulates. And so with that, you see this group of little, you know, vigilantes. They're potty mouthed, but they're also curious. They're 11. They're online. They're looking at porn. They find a condom in the park. They don't know what it is. They've never seen a condom before. One of the girls puts it up to her mouth to blow it up like a balloon. Finally, another little girl's like, whoa, wait a minute. I think that's something called a condom. Okay, you're gross. They, I mean, it's just this whole thing where you're like, okay, wow, this is a whole lot of reality. Uh, and that's before this little girl takes a turn for the hyper, holy crap, uh, sexualization of herself. And I got to, I got to tell you, uh, Tucker Carlson had a guest on recently who he has on pretty regularly, uh, Armin White, National Review film critic, and he absolutely hits the nail on the head with what I saw unfolding in this movie. It, it was sad. I had to turn away from it. Uh, through many scenes, I found myself just wanting to fast forward because I didn't want to see uh, some of the some of the uh, gyrations and things that these girls had picked up along the way. This one girl in particular, who you just see this far extreme cover yourself. Your sexuality is you know dirty. Um, it, it is nothing to be uh, you know embraced or accepted. And yeah, we'll get to the rest of that in a minute. But I want you to hear what he says about self. And why this is able to run so rampant. And it really runs along the lines of everything we see happening in the country right now with lack of identity. And when you have a lack of identity, spiritually, sexually, whatever, uh, culturally, you, you start making demands of the culture. You start normalizing things that are not within the scope of our highest nature. All right, check this out. This is Armand White with the National Review. He's a film critic. It's, you know, it's funny, as a, as a pop culture critic, I've realized for years that people think that Hollywood is their friend. It's not their friend. Uh, no. One of Trump's great phrases is the enemies of the people. And the mainstream media has become enemies of the people. This is, this is why they use sex uh, to lure young people's imaginations and to get them, to, get them uh, concentrated on, on self-abasement, self-abuse, and self-exploitation because... MTV tells them and Hollywood tells them this is the route to fame. Self-abuse, self-loathing, self-hatred, self-idolatry. I mean, the self goes on and on and on. And again, when someone doesn't have an identity rooted um, in truth of who their creator says they are, they're going to look to the outside. They're going to look inside. Um, they're going to look to uh, cultural influences, pop cultural art, um, entertainment, sports to tell them who they are, politics, any number of constructs to tell them who they are, to point them in the direction of, of who they could or who they should or who they might be.
So this is, again, this is a very natural human uh, uh, way of escaping, um, you know, that, that arduous journey of, uh, of really coming to coming of age moments, you know, in the context of who we were constructed to be as created beings of a holy God, of a God who is whole in every sense of the word, who is perfect. And that's what that word means scripturally. Be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. It's be ye whole, right? And for some of us, that is a lifelong journey. Because so many things have, you know, tripped us up along the way and people's, people's, uh, peepers is more like it. Exactly. Joe Biden, but people's, uh, people's need to take in lust to fulfill whatever is missing, uh, in their souls. And they take little people, they take their lives, they take their bodies, they take their innocence. And ultimately they end up taking their souls. A legislator here in the state of Georgia who championed the legislation that I was referring to earlier in the show that was ultimately struck down, uh, by Republicans that would have allowed for, uh, civic, um, um, uh, civil remedy, uh, on behalf of institutions that have harbored pedophiles and protected them over the years. Um, he put it very perfectly in a Senate Judiciary hearing that I actually spoke, uh, in which I actually spoke one day, which was very harrowing for me. It was it was hard, but I did it. And he said, This is your what you witness with the molestation of a child is the murder of the murdering of their soul. And one of the Republican senators made fun of him. And said that that was hyperbolic. He was bloviating. He was blowing something out of proportion. Yet many of you are sitting at home right now in complete outrage about a Netflix movie that dubs itself as coming of age where clearly these little girls have been hypersexualized and they're normalizing it is what is what you think. And I'm telling you, Netflix is not normalizing it. It's already normalized. It's already normal in your kids' minds. And so it shouldn't just be, no, you should not just watch the dumpster fire float down the river and, and not do anything about it. But I'm, I want to encourage you to have thoughtful conversations with your kids, to have conversations to empower them about the power of their body, especially where your girls are concerned, the power of their sexuality. I love it. One of my friends last night was like, he's an awesome guy, and he's like very military, you know, just dude's dude. And he's like, uh, you know, um, sorry, Mon, but, you know, a uh, a man's private part never started a war. I'm like, well, very good point, you know, as we're bantering about this movie. And uh, and he was very interested in what my take in it was because we'd worked together uh, with victims of uh, of this particular piece of legislation that did not go anywhere in the state of Georgia, although 38 other states have adopted the measure. So clearly we still care. We care about our kids. We care about victims of molestation and people's innocence being stolen. And you have every right to be outraged and you should be outraged that you see these little girls doing these things on film. I'm just here to tell you, don't run around like Chicken Little afraid that it's going to become normalized. It is normalized. Your children watch TikTok. They are performing videos in their bedrooms and their closets, much like this little girl did, at the ages anywhere from six years old and up. So it's already here. It's happening. So I want you to get very 
uh, honest about that and to be get and to get very clear about that. So, so, you know, you know, your position in the, in the, in the fight for our children's souls, you know, is where you are already on on the playing field. Okay. So carrying on with this story, the young girl, ultimately, um, she, she stumbles across a video. This is why Cardi B was brought up. She stumbles across a video uh, which most of us would think are like a group of strippers in this video, but really they're just your average everyday video vixens um, who are who are um, slithering around on the floor. They're touching each other. Um, very, you know, uh, very carnal. You know, I mean, there's just it, just whatever you can think of a strip club with smoking room and or uh, video vixens or Cardi B's, you know, uh, WAP video. Uh, this little girl stumbles upon this and she's like, okay, well, maybe this is what it's like to be, um, to own your sexuality, to be sexy. Maybe this is what's popular because this is what I see on my screen. And she develops a dance routine and she gets in with these girls who want nothing more than to be uh, in a dance competition. And again, I'm going to stop right here with this, with our, our sanctimony for me is positively mind blowing. It is positively my, our Quaker, uh, Baptist, you can't say Southern because apparently the Baptists are now taking Southern out of their name because it's racist. I don't know. It's a trigger. That's another show, but apparently, you know, our, our Southern Baptist, excuse me, um, Lily White Quaker, um, you know, sanctimony from our glass houses is is astounding to me when we dress our girls up in dance costumes between the ages of five and seven and teach them how to shake their bums on stage. They are in dance competitions with the same music that these girls were dancing to in the movie. But that's okay, because apparently that's decent. Mothers sign their girls up for this ad nauseum. Mothers take their little girls and dress up with their little girls to Beyonce concerts. Have you seen a Beyonce concert? Or they go see J-Lo. And listen, if you're a grown-ass woman and that's what you want to go see and you want to go shake your bum, go for it. But when you take your 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way up to 16-year-old to these concerts, you are forming their sexual identity and their ideas about who they are as young women. And you make it damn near impossible for a father to come along and tell them about the virtue and the value of their modesty. You make it impossible. So that's a problem. That that is a that is a full stop moment for us to really consider. We talk out of both sides of our face. And so for me, it's it's just it, the hypocrisy of it was mind blowing because there's so much of a of a storyline here of a thread that weaves through this through this Netflix thing that 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 is it leads to her hypersexualizing herself her self debasement her self loathing her self idolatry all of that and all of these little girls so ultimately you know they become so hypersexualized that they look like the strippers that this girl sees on uh, on the screen and bear in mind, this little girl starts posting stuff about herself and pictures and her, you know, her wardrobe's changing, her hair is changing. She's kind of taking 
uh, 11-year-old ownership of trying to look like an older girl. And in the process, she's managed to steal her uncle's cell phone. And so she's found her way online and she's starting to um, accrue an enormous amount of likes and loves and hits and like, you know, oh, wow, you're cute and, you know, you're amazing and all this stuff. And, and the girls are all excited and screeching about it. You know, ooh, ooh, we're, we're popular now and people think we're cool and we want to be older than we are. You know, things that we definitely went through at that age. We always want to be older than we are till we're 50. Uh, you know, first we buy powder because we don't want the uh, shiny skin because it's not attractive. Then we hit 50 and everyone's trying to sell us Glossier so our face looks shiny. So, you know, go figure. Again, the messages of the world are never ending. So, and always cost effective for the world and the marketplace. But with this particular story, um, what you find is that the little girl uh, internalizes all of this so much that she becomes so addicted to the likes and the loves that when her uncle discovers that she has his phone and he wants it back, she about loses her mind. Now, I want you to imagine some of you, if someone took your phone, if you couldn't get online and see how many people liked or loved or commented or rebutted or argued with you about your latest and greatest idea on politics or your your salad that you had for lunch or your girl's trip or your boob job or, you know, what your favorite mascara, you know, what whatever it is, uh, you know, your car, uh, your fishing trip, the fish you caught. Imagine if someone came along and this, this addiction you have that you feed daily, hourly, nightly with likes and hearts and shares and all that stuff that we've been completely indoctrinated uh, by uh, by social media gurus. I'm looking forward to watching that as well this evening. But <clears throat> excuse me, imagine if someone just yanked that away from you, right? Your dopamine has been taken from you. You're the mouse that can no longer just hit the dopamine paddle, so you can't get your dopamine drip when you want it. So she goes to the extreme, and she basically offers her body to her uncle to be able to keep his phone because she's so desperate for having that um, that notoriety that she's you know now come to be known for amongst all of her little peer groups at school and on social media and her her uncle's like what are you crazy and he about beats the crap out of her at some point the mother figures out what's up the grandmother does too they beat the crap out of her you know she's not welcome she's not there you're not my daughter i mean the whole thing she's just shamed to death um about what she's becoming uh because this isn't who they've raised her to be and and this certainly is not part of their islamic culture for sure um, and so the girl finally, you know, she goes over the top. She takes the phone into the bathroom in a moment of complete desperation and takes a picture of her private parts. And, you know, I watched Nancy Grace talk about all of this the other day before I ever watched it. And she's like, you know, she had a, she had a little bit of a different spin on it. As for me, I'm like, yep, that's a girl in desperate mode. But you know what? Your girls are doing it, uh, every night. And they actually have accounts that they're making money with. So OnlyFans, you know, your girls in college, I understand those are older girls, but your younger girls are doing the same thing, doing the same exact thing. I'm not saying it's the way to go. I'm just telling you this is a reality pill for us. It's already happening. Okay. So the little girl takes a picture of her private parts. At that point, her own peers turn against her. Because they're like, look, dude, we're that's not us. Like we wear midriffs and we cuss and we're sassy and we're little pains in the ass, but but that's not who we are. And in that now you're like crossing a line. 
we're not going to cross the line with you. So now she's castigated again, the very thing that she, that she, you know, laid herself out, uh, for everyone to just run over, uh, because she wanted to be part of the group to begin with. So now she finds herself on the outs again of this group of, uh, of girls that all she wanted to do is be a part of the group and to be liked, uh, and to really, you know, try to understand more about herself, which is what every young girl struggles with. And I can't speak for boys because I'm not one and I don't have one, but this is how uh, little girls uh, go through life. You know, we're always measuring ourselves by the standard of our friends and how many people accept us and like us um, and think we're cute and all that stuff. So at any rate, she is um, she is cast from the group. Uh, she is no longer allowed to come to this, this dance performance for them. Uh, they do actually get the gig to go on stage and do their thing. She shows up anyway. She's like, to hell with you guys. I've worked hard. I'm the queen of this show, and I'm coming. And so uh, they all get on stage. They hit their gyration moment on the stage. They're, you know, sucking on their fingers. They're touching each other's bottoms. I mean, they're doing everything that you would see in a trashy rap, everyday trashy rap vixen video. They are 11. But this is what they've been taught. So, again, I love the fact that their own um, their own audience actually is mortified, and you see that in the audience's face. You know, you've got mothers shielding the eyes of their little girls who are in the audience. Um, they're like, "What the heck is going on? What did we just sign up for on this lovely Saturday afternoon out in a park?" Um, and and you see the girl realize that she's being rejected for the very thing that she thought she would be accepted for. And she's mortified. And they all are. At the end of the story, the girl there's a bit of a redemptive component to this, believe it or not. Our main character, the mother, uh, one of her biggest hang-ups is that this little girl does not want to go to the father's second wedding. She's embarrassed. She's mad. She's angry. She's defending her mother, her mother's honor, her mother's, um, her, her mother's dignity. She takes on the burden of the mother. She feels like now she's going to have to share her father with someone else. They've already got, you know, two kids. Now they're going to have more kids. It's shameful. And so she doesn't want to go to the wedding. Um, She starts her cycle in the midst of this whole movie. Um, The matriarchs in the family don't really coalesce around her to comfort her or walk her through that moment in life. It's just her body starts doing something it's never done. Uh, the older matriarch of the family says, you know, well, get over yourself. Welcome to womanhood. Get up and fry some rice and prepare the dinner for your father's uh, second wife for the wedding. And, I mean, holy crap, man. Talk about, like, I can't even imagine that type of a culture. I just can't. Uh, And I'm Greek, and we have one hell of a culture. But, I mean, that just kind of takes the cake. And talk about burdensome for a young girl So she's kind of left to deal with her cycle by herself, which a lot of young girls are. Um, Mothers and fathers don't feel comfortable having these conversations. Um, But now, you know, she's like, hey, I I am a young woman. And there's something that, you know, a a, a little switch that gets flipped in her psyche about being a woman. She's told that she's now, you know, a woman because she has her cycle and she knows how to cook the Islamic foods for her father's second bride and their wedding. So... Long story short, the young girl 
Um, she, the mother finally comes to her rescue and intervenes with the older matriarch. And, and she says, and stands in between her, the little girl, her daughter and the older major, older matriarch. And she says, listen, leave my daughter alone. Um, here's the deal. If you don't want to come to the wedding, it's okay. I'm okay with the wedding. I've made peace with it. I'm going to it. You do not have to attend. I love you. She, um, she wraps her arms around her daughter. She accepts her daughter and that was a pivotal moment in the movie for the little girl. Um, and that's really what she wanted was to be able to come home to the safe harbor, however crazy that whole culture, that moment in that culture may seem to us in the West or as Christians. Um, she That's her mama. And as most of you know, with crazy mamas, it doesn't matter how crazy we are. You still want your mama. George Floyd, for the love of God, was crying for his mother as he took his last breaths. So we all want our mamas. And that's what this little girl wanted. And at the end of the movie, you see that she, um, you know, she takes all of the stuff out of her hair. She goes back to who she is as a kid. She's wearing kid clothes. She's basically playing hopscotch in the street. And and for me, the message there was that she um, was able to uh, be redeemed in in the sense that she left that behind and decided to uh, to embrace her childhood again. Now. That is just my opinion. That is my take. I It's totally subjective. I could be totally wrong. I have not interviewed the filmmakers, although I would love to. Um, and maybe that'll happen. If it does, I'll let you know. Stay tuned. But um, yeah, so there you can see here, there are a lot of moving parts and you can get stuck on, uh, you know, it's pedophilic. And yes, it, it is when you're watching girls like that. And there will be plenty of men who will sit at home and watch Netflix and, you know, and, and just have a grand old time with, with something like this. They're doing it already in other mediums. But yes, Netflix has certainly made it easier. Um, I just wanted to bring the story to you in its entirety so that you can see that there's a lot at work here that's not just about a group of girls who were fascinated by twerking and decided that they wanted to learn how to twerk. No, this is about the psyche and the soul of your children. And again, I cannot stress this enough. For you to have um, loving, godly conversations with your girls and your boys around the sanctity of their bodies around the holiness of their bodies, to be quite honest, around the power of their bodies and their sexuality. I used to tell my daughter, you don't have to try to be sexy. The fact that you're a female already, you know, you're endowed with, with this procreative, uh, you know, sexuality. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's part of you. It emanates from you as a female. So what you need to learn how to do is not to wield it or how to manipulate with it, but to embrace it and love that part of yourself, and protect that part of yourself. And that is something that I think fathers are completely underestimated by, that they are shut out of the conversation. Most dads are very uncomfortable. They don't feel like it's their place. That's their mother's place to talk about those things. But there are things that you can do as a father that that say to your daughter that she does have intrinsic and inherent value and worth. And her sexuality is a component of that. And that it's something that should be valued, it should be protected, and it should be cherished. That, too, is something that fathers need to give themselves permission to discuss. 
and mothers need to, uh, you know, uh, scoot over at the dinner table and allow for those conversations to happen, provide for a place at the table for those conversations to happen. And if you have sons, they need to be a part of those conversations too. It's important, the value that we place on each other. So I, that's it. That's my commentary. I, I'm sure I will probably write more about it in the coming days. Um, yes, we are a hyper-sexualized uh, society. We know all of that. Uh, but again, the onus is on us. It is our privilege. It is our honor. It is our duty to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord to understand exactly who they are and whose they are. And that includes their sexuality. So just FYI, uh, you can follow me at Monica on air talk, iTunes and Twitter, uh, all over the place. And I got my Pomeranian barking at me now, so I've got to go. Thank you for tuning in. You can also pick up my merch at MonicaMatthews.com. Uh, where am I? Etsy.com, my shirts, my mugs, my coffee thermoses, all those, my caps, all those things are in. Thank you so much for all of you and your support on that and sharing, uh, creating and starting the dialogue. If, if you're an American act like one, what does that mean? Well, this is part of it. We protect our children. We protect our culture. We value the arts. We value freedom. We also value the sanctity of life and of innocence. Amen. Okay. Until tomorrow, I'll be back with you guys then. Ah, wow. It's never ending. Is it mm, just a couple of months till John Donald J. Trump begins his second term? <laughs> you guys ready for that? Be good to your neighbor beginning your own mirror. Remember if you're an American, act like one.